0: Welcome to The Tidal Year, a series about the joy of swimming. With the help of some special guests, we'll discover the human stories behind why we swim. Together, we'll share tales from the places that helped us fall in love with swimming. From lidos to lakes, by leisure centres in the ocean, I can't wait to dive into these magical places. I'm your host, writer and wild swimmer, Freya Bromley. And every week, I'll be chatting to a new explorer, swimmer, author, or campaigner about what water means to them. Before we dive into this episode, I'd like to thank today's sponsor, TryHard. I love being in the water, but I don't love what pool chemicals like chlorine do for my skin and hair. TryHard develop water sports specialized skin and hair solutions that eliminate those negative effects of pool chemicals and ocean salts. I'm thrilled to share with all listeners of the Tidal year a very exclusive 15% off when you use code TIDAL at tryhard.co. This week, my guest is Lauren Biddulph, founder of the Salt Sisterhood, a women's wild swimming retreat based in Cornwall. She's got a moving story to tell about the power of swimming and its ability to bring people together and forge female friendships and bonds. We met to record this conversation in my flat in London, and I'm releasing this episode now as I'm about to return to Cornwall for another week with the Salt Sisterhood. In this episode, we spoke about creating a community of swimmers, banishing negative self-talk, and not just accepting that there's light and dark in life, but leaning into it and how yoga and swimming can really help with that. When I listened back to our conversation, I was struck by our thoughts about freeing ourselves from shoulds and also our phones. Since then, I've been slipping back into old habits of checking my phone far too often, so I beat myself up for that a bit. Then I realized that the point of my chat with Lauren was about trusting the process and not holding on to perfectionism too tightly. So a reminder to me, and hopefully to you, from Lauren, that we can all work to swap blue screens for Blue Minds, but it's okay if it's not always easy. Enjoy this episode, and speak to you again at the end. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Freya. Now, the last time I saw you, we were waving goodbye from a week in Cornwall. It was September, but I very vividly remember it because the sun was shining, And I felt really optimistic about going back to London and coming out of that first lockdown, but also sad to be leaving beautiful Cornwall after a week of swimming and yoga and amazing food and company. So I have very wonderful memories of that time on the Salt Sisterhood. But for our listeners who may not have heard about you and your work, maybe you can tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yep, absolutely. So I'm Lauren and I'm the founder of The Salt Sisterhood. We run women's yoga and wild swimming retreats in Cornwall every year in the springtime and in the autumn time. And our aim is to bring women together to create a community where they can experience the benefits of swimming and being in the water. We started around three or four years ago. Um, The idea basically just came from the fact that I benefited so much from my own yoga practice with regards to anxiety, basically problems I'd been having with anxiety. And I realized that there was a bit of a link between how I felt after practicing yoga with how I felt after I'd been in the sea. And I felt like that would be a really powerful combination to bring the two together and to offer experiences for women to benefit from those from those things and kind of come away from the retreat with a few tools that they could
0: use for themselves in their life afterwards that's such a powerful story and that connection between swimming and the balance and the calm and also that yoga I think really is just such a beautiful combination was it always the plan for it to be a space for women
1: Yeah, I mean, I just kind of feel a bit like if there are men in this, I don't have anything against men, obviously, but like if there are men in the space, it does change things slightly. And I feel like there's something inherently female, there's a very female energy about water. And so that really spoke to me in terms of making an experience and a retreat just for women so that they can have that space completely away from everyone and away from men to just reconnect to themselves and reconnect with one another because again there's powerful connection between women and at the end of the retreat as you know there's a very strong bond that happens and I just feel like if there were men there that that might change the dynamic slightly and that wouldn't maybe be the same. I mean, it would be interesting to run some retreats with men there as well to see what
0: would happen. But yeah, it was always the idea to, to have the retreat just just for women. Yeah, it was such a powerful space. And that bond, I mean, I've made some wonderful friendships, which we'll, we'll talk about later as well. So that's great to hear more about you and that story. And three or four years, that must have gone quickly, but also feel like you probably just started yesterday. How many retreats have you run in that time?
1: Yeah, it's gone so quickly. I think we've done five now. We did one, but in the very beginning, which only had, I think there were only seven women there. And I think one of them wasn't paying the full price and this kind of thing, because it was a brand new thing that I'd started and it was quite hard to get the word out yeah i mean we weren't a known brand or anything back then so but that first retreat that we did was very magical like we had perfect weather and we had our food from joe and tess they were there as well the same chefs that we have now And it just all came together so magically well that I knew that this was a very powerful thing that we'd created. And obviously each one that we've run from then, we've been learning every single time what to do differently, how to improve. But I always have such fond memories of that first small one because it was like, wow, this is such an amazing thing.
0: That must have been so exciting, bringing people together in that moment of like, I'm onto something here because it must have taken a lot of courage to start. So I'm sure that was just amazing
1: yeah absolutely i i had no idea if anyone was going to book or how many people were going to come and that kind of thing and obviously it's quite it's quite a commitment to run a retreat it's quite expensive with all the outlay and things but i just was so passionate about it that i kept working and working away marketing and you know trying to get the word out and things and people re- did respond really well to it even though it was a brand new
0: company at the time people just said oh
1: that sounds idyllic which
0: it was <laughs> Yeah, and you mentioned some of those lovely little touches that just make it so special. So of course, you had Joe and Tess doing all of the food. And I remember as soon as we arrived, you wouldn't really know where you were going unless you knew where you were going, if you get what I mean. You go down this amazing dirt track to a beautiful house. Suddenly the forest falls away and you're in this just beautiful outside house. And all of those things came together to just make it such a special week Maybe tell me a little bit about those other things, those, those building block elements to come together to make that retreat. I guess you had the location, also the food.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just trying to recreate things from my own life. So when I'm feeling kind of not myself, I'll go to my mat or I'm feeling not myself and I'll go and have a swim and I just feel so much better afterwards. And all of those kind of elements that I feel really ground you back into a better state of mind, I tried to bring all of those into the plan for the retreat. So healthy, good food, local ingredients, organic ingredients. Obviously, the swims and with the yoga, I like to kind of draw in lots of different elements which highlight kind of the senses. So we have the, the essential oils burning when you come in, and like all the colours in the room. It's, it's, I'm kind of a bit of a can be a bit of a perfectionist, so I feel like I've thought of every single element that could improve someone's well-being as soon as they enter into that space. And I
0: remember a lot of the, I learned a lot about yoga in that retreat. I'd done yoga, but I think lots of us, we have our mat, we drag our mat around London and we go in a class. We kind of don't really fully switch off in the 40 minutes and then you go back to your normal life. And actually this was the first time I'd taken time to learn about yoga as a practice. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And I also remember you talking about the philosophy of tantra yoga and that was something that really stood out to me. Maybe you can tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, so tantra yoga is the yoga of the senses. And it's an interesting philosophy whereby it essentially accepts both dark and light. So when you hear people talking about shadow work and things like that, there's a lot of a tendency at the moment in yoga to be very overly positive and focus on the light and being light and being positive and being happy and that kind of thing. But I find that kind of quite toxic and damaging, really, because it doesn't acknowledge that everyone has problems. Everyone has struggles and mental health struggles. And Tantra really helps you to kind of lean into the fact that there is also dark as well as light. It's an essential part of living. And the more that you accept those parts of yourself the easier everything gets, basically, you know, so you can accept that you're going to fluctuate, things are always going to change. I really wanted to to bring that kind of philosophy side of the yoga into the retreat as well, because it's very easy to focus on the nice, you know, nice smells and shavasana and that kind of thing and being light and, and positive and things. But The really powerful part of teaching yoga comes in when you help people to connect with the fact that it's okay to feel bad sometimes, or it's okay if you have moments of darkness, because that is part of of life. And to actually bring to the table
0: tools that help women to deal with those moments
1: when they happen.
0: That's really powerful and especially relevant, I think, for this group as well, I learned so much about myself that week and I think it's interesting looking back on it before I went away on that that holiday I was going away alone on this retreat and I found myself feeling almost a bit embarrassed or defensive and retreat felt like a really big word for me maybe I felt like by going on a retreat I was admitting that there was something I couldn't get from myself in my life or something I was doing wrong but I also kind of knew that I couldn't keep going how I was going I was very busy I was very absorbed in my life it was a life of noise and I was also running away from a lot of my grief when my brother Tom died whereas swimming was a time where that noise always felt like it melted away And also it connected me to a lot of happy memories from my childhood with my brother. So I was really open to exploring that. I was ready for an experience that would be calming, but also maybe quite confronting. You find that there's a particular state that people come to the Salt Sisterhood in, maybe that they have questions that they want answering about themselves
1: very much so yeah i mean i'm quite interested in trauma and trauma work and and body work and somatics and that kind of thing and also i like to kind of feed that tantra philosophy into that interest around trauma and i think what people don't quite often understand is that everybody has trauma of some kind and what's not helpful is when people compare theirs to someone else's and think well i don't i shouldn't feel like this or i shouldn't have this response because mine Same as such and such and this happened. You know, everybody's trauma is real and is relevant. So I'm very aware that people come to the retreat on some level for a reason. They may or may not want to speak about that. And that's completely up to them and that's fine. But the word retreat is very powerful in itself because you can actually retreat from your life. And it creates that space where you can start to lean into some of those feelings that you're having but in a supported and safe space that's being held by a group of women and hopefully by me as the the retreat leader (laughs) I like to feel that I create a, a safe and supporting space for women to just be with themselves and there's plenty of opportunities during the retreat to come away from the group to be by yourself there's a woodland you can go for a woodland walk you can go for an independent swim Room and read, or just have a think and look out the window and look at the trees rustling. It's it's completely a retreat in the sense of the word because you're t- being taken away from
0: everything to just kind of explore what what comes up essentially. And that's interesting to hear you talk about that word retreat in that way as well because I think that's what makes it scary: is it is a retreat from your normal life and taking time away to have a think about what's going to come up is can be a bit intimidating.
1: It can, yeah, because it's it's almost that anticipation of how am I going to respond to having a week off of work or a week away from my routine because it is a real break in routine and I think that routine is something that helps us all avoid a lot of stuff. So as soon as people break with that routine, some quite powerful things can come up but at the same time, it's it's a, a time where you can process those things in a safe way and you can feel supported by the group of women around you who may be, you know, obviously coming to the retreat with their own things as well, you know, and you can kind of dip in and out of that as much as you want, because obviously some people will feel very private about that kind of thing. And that's obviously completely fine and okay as well, but they're still going to benefit just from being there. And obviously, in the yoga the yoga classes, we talk about themes, and we have a theme every single day. And one of those themes, somewhere or another, is really going to resonate with with each and every guest on some level.
0: I I really appreciated lots of the touches that you added to give people that space, whether they wanted or needed it or not. And also thinking that different elements of every of the week are going to speak especially to people. And I remember on the first day, we sat in a salt circle. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that salt circle.
1: Yeah. So this is a really, it's a bit of a funny time because this is a a transition, I feel. So as you mentioned earlier, that people come to the retreat in one state of mind and feeling one way, and then they leave in completely another. And I almost view this salt circle as like the transition. (laughs) Like this is where you're going to come into the retreat and, and leave everything else behind. So at that point, everyone's like a little bit nervous and a little bit unsure of, you know, what are we going to be doing and who are these other women and <laughs> that kind of thing. So as you remember, I go around and ask each and every person just to say a little bit about who they are and where they're from and their favorite memory of, of water or being in the water. It just kind of helps to break the ice a bit. But also a lot of people like to talk a bit more about why they've come and what they'd like to get out of the retreat. And it just helps to form those initial little bonds between everybody, which then from that point on grow and grow every day. It's amazing to see it happen. It happens every time that by the end, this group is just like, oh, they don't even need me anymore. You know, (laughs) they're just really good friends and have this lovely bond at the end of the week.
0: Oh, it's so true. There was a real sense of openness because you go on your own and I remember that train journey as well felt very long by the time I'd arrived at Truro I was thinking oh my god what am I doing coming away (laughs) alone but that that time as well meant that I was really open to those connections and left with these bonds like you say with so many inspiring women of all ages of you know from all over the UK lots of different walks of life And I also made one really incredibly special friendship with someone called called Joe, who I swim with a lot and who we'll be hearing from more uh, later in the podcast. And I would have never met any of them if it hadn't been for the Salt Sisterhood. But you must see those friendships blossom all the time. That must be just amazing to be a part of that.
1: Yeah, it's so lovely to to think that I'm building a community, really. So I wanted the Salt Sisterhood to be a community, and I can see these friendships blossoming and going on and on for years after the retreat's finished. And p- people come back again, time and time again, and they they bring the the same people that they came with before, and it's so lovely. And we get a lot of mum and daughter combos coming along to the retreat as well. And on our surf weekends. I quite often see people who've come on the surf weekends on their own and then they didn't know anyone, and afterwards they're kind of organising surf trips together, and it really does have that kind of community feel that we've created.
0: Oh, that's wonderful to hear. I love the thought of that mother daughter time as well, and spending time connecting in the water and having those memories. And I'd love to know as well whether swimming has brought you closer to any friends or communities as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, where I live in Falmouth down in Cornwall, there's a a big community of sea swimmers who go every single day. I'd like to say that I go every single day, but life gets in the way. So but I go probably at the moment about two or three times a week. And you tend to see the same people down by the water's edge. Patrick, my husband, is, is there before me. So we pass like ships in the night. I'm going in and he's coming out. Um, but he's, he's more of a serious swimmer. And I like to just go for kind of mental health and emotional benefits, really. But I go with my friend Anna quite often. And uh, yeah, we see the, the same few people down there in the mornings. It's, it's lovely. It's like passing traffic. Of, oh, hi. <laughs> so there's definitely a local kind of community of swimmers going on down there as well.
0: So when we met last September, that must have been a really big time for you, opening your business again after the first lockdown. And I remember you saying you'd gone from being sold out to not knowing if you could even open. Yeah, that was a very worrying time for us. Like I
1: didn't even know. I mean, it was worrying for everybody. But with regards to the Salt Sisterhood, I mean, I was so worried that I just didn't have a business anymore. Because obviously we rely on everything being able to open and tourism and everything being able to continue as normal. And with the lockdown, the house that we use was obviously not available because you weren't allowed to travel. You weren't allowed to hire a house and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I just thought if this continues, I I don't know if I actually have a business anymore, which was... Uh, really heartbreaking but when we when we did do our September retreat and everybody came it was just such a welcome kind of uh, little taste of normality I guess I mean you hadn't been to any of the retreats before that one but that one was quite different because of all the rules and regulations that we needed to follow for Covid but yeah I think it still had the same magical feel about it even with those things in place so we were so happy to be able to continue and hopefully now it's all going to be fine. I mean, obviously there are a bit of worries, but we we know so much more about the virus now. And there's so much more testing and things that we can do to mitigate the effects. So I'm not worried that we don't have a business anymore. And in fact, I think that if anything, it's people really want to do something like this to go back to nature be in wide open spaces, be in the water and just kind of really slow down and relax exactly what people are looking for, I think.
0: Yeah, you're so right. I think that word rewilding has always been one that's really drawn me to your experiences as well. And one that a lot of people I think are are ready for. And you were such a reassuring host. I remember you kind of talking about everything that we had to do because of the rules and it was just great. But that time of uncertainty it was uncertain for all of us, but especially for you and your business. Was there something, I guess swimming must have become a way for you to retreat and move through that uncertainty and yoga as well?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, thankfully, it was one of the things that we could still do. And actually, you've probably seen that there's been a massive explosion in sea swimming, wild swimming during the lockdowns, because it's one of the few things that people were still allowed to go out and do. And so it's becoming more widely known now amongst people that the the benefits, especially for mental health of of swimming. So that's really wonderful. But yeah, definitely, I was spending a lot of time in the water during the lockdowns. Yeah, it really helped to kind of just not think about it for, you know, a while, just to kind of be in a a blue space, be in nature, and not think about all these anxiety inducing
0: things just for a short time was really important for me. And I think a, a lot of people felt that way. Definitely. And you've mentioned mental health and anxiety a few times and about the benefits of swimming. And I know that you've all, that's also something you've done a lot of research and reading about as well. When did that journey start for you that you thought, there's something here that is helping. I want to find out more. I want to understand this.
1: Yeah. I mean, on some level, I've always known, obviously, that I love the water and it makes me feel better. But I had kind of not really ever put that much thought into the fact that it made me feel better. And a few years ago, I can't remember how I crossed paths with it, but I came across a book called Blue Mind by Wallace J. Nichols. It's extremely science heavy. And I did have to take quite a lot of breaks from reading it. And I would skip back and forth between different chapters and so on. But it's really fascinating because it actually goes into the neurological effects of being in or even just near to water. So even just looking at water hasn't instant kind of physiological response in the body that makes you feel happier and, and healthier and more at ease. It has an instant effect on the nervous system, which is also something that I'm really interested in is how we can help to regulate our nervous systems. And being in water has a, a really positive effect on that in particular.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think you spoke a lot about that book and everyone went away and had a look and learned more. And like you say, It's something that we all know deep down somewhere that water makes us feel better. But understanding that on a deeper level, I think, really motivates you to spend more time leaning into that, to prioritize it. And that certainly was the case for me after I left as well. And you mentioned as well as that book, those words around being safe and supported. And those are words that have come up a lot when you talk about swimming. Mm Can you talk a little bit about some of the science about why water makes us feel so safe and supported? I can't, I can't actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to. You'd have to go back to the book, um, or I would have to go back to the book. I, I think, in it, to be honest, in actual fact, they're still trying to work out why that happens. I've got a kind of a theory about that. That. As humans and uh, all animals, it evolved from aquatic mammals. And there's something that happens when we go in the water and we begin to dive under the surface that you have something called a mammalian dive reflex where your heart rate slows down and you have physiological changes in the body which allow you to be under the water for longer and retain your, your oxygen and use the oxygen more efficiently in the body. So I've got a kind of a a theory about that kind of sense of calming down is the beginning, the very beginning of that mammalian diving reflex. But I obviously don't have any scientific (laughs) evidence to back that up. But for me, it would make sense. And I almost feel that that is what happens to me if I'm about to go for a swim or a surf, or I, I've done a, a free diving training as well. So I kind of learned about how you prepare your body for a dive. When I'm approaching the water, I immediately start to feel that sense of calm and that sense of like, almost like a feeling of coming home. Because for me, the water feels like
0: home. And you've mentioned being a swimmer, you've mentioned surfing. And so you have these kind of three different things in your life, the the adrenaline of surfing, this deep calm that you've spoken about from swimming, and also, I suppose, the balance that you get from yoga. Having those three in tandem, has that given you a lot of structure in your life as well as support?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that those three things maybe on occasion saved my life, probably. Without those things, I'm not sure where I'd be. So I do rely quite heavily on those, those things to bring me back into a, just feeling more myself and reminding me of who I am and who I'm not. You know, we have a lot of negative self-talk in our minds, don't we? So those things can help you draw yourself back to who you really are. And, you know, that we all deserve to be here and to take up space and to, to, most importantly, to feel joy out of living. And surfing and swimming, being in the
0: water really does give me that sense of joy in, in being alive. And you've mentioned being a little bit of a perfectionist. And of course, the retreat was just such a beautiful week. And you put so much effort into making that so fabulous. But I suppose as well with swimming and with surfing, sometimes we feel like there's a way we should do it. We can be perfectionists and think, you know, if you say you're going on a swimming holiday, I I always wonder if people expect that I'm there with my goggles and my swimming hat and I'm doing front crawl and I'm (laughs) taking it very seriously. But also it's a space for play and for you hosting these yoga and swimming and surfing retreats, do you worry about those expectations that people come with and what's that like to deal with?
1: Yeah, I'm very aware that people have those worries and expectations when they come because some people either write to us privately or they make comments on Instagram and say do I have to have been able you know how can do I have to be able to swim a distance or do I have to have been able to do this before or they're very kind of like unsure about where they fit in and this is also the whole point of why I wanted to create the Salt Sisterhood is that this is something That's for everybody, for everyone, just like yoga should be for everyone. And you see it being portrayed in advertising and in the media as being only for a certain type of person or a certain type of body or even skin tone and things like that. It's not, it's for everybody, and everyone can approach and practice it in whichever way suits them best. And I feel that swimming and surfing are the same. It should be inclusive and available to everybody. So I try and make posts on Instagram quite regularly saying, How should you swim or you you can swim your way? So for some people, that literally might be, okay, today I feel like going in the water, floating and looking at the sky and not doing anything and you know and that's very different to the lady next door the, in the room next door to you on the retreat who wants to put her hat and goggles on and swim for a, a kilometer and come back again but it's all good it's all allowed and it's just depends on how you feel that day and yourself
0: and we want this to be very accessible and inclusive for all women yeah and giving yourself permission to do what feels right for you and and kind of stop that worry of looking around at what everyone else is doing and thinking what should I be doing and those shoulds can they creep in a lot sometimes should is a terrible word we should eradicate it (laughs) let's ban it (laughs) I remember sometimes when it was a little bit chilly we would have a dip day and we'd all say I think it's just a dip day today and we'd go in and have a little bit of a swim and it was fun to remove ourselves from that Perfectionism or worry about shoulds and just to have fun because water and swimming is a lot about play really, isn't it?
1: It is. And also it's learning how to respond to yourself and how you're feeling. So it's a, almost a form of self-care to, to tune in with yourself that morning and ask yourself, what do I need out of this today? Rather than what's everyone else doing or what's everyone else wearing or what should I be doing? Or if I don't do this, this and this, I'm going to feel a bit upset with myself. It's sort of stepping away from all of that expectation that mainly it's our own expectations as opposed to other people's. But stepping away from that and thinking, what do I need to get out of this today? And maybe you do just need to have a dip and dunk your head under. And you never know when once you're in, you might change your mind because you're responding to your environment and you're responding to what's happening around you. And that's actually a very kind of big part of the philosophy of yoga is that everything's always changing and we can't really control anything that all we can do is respond and so there's a lot of power that we can claim back again in how we respond to what's happening at the time
0: definitely and all of that starts with just getting in and making that commitment on that day that's the hardest bit (laughs) it is so hard it's hard when it's cold and I often try and do a little promise my with myself if I go in and I can do one lap or I can just get in and have a dip and like you say it changes doesn't it you because you're being react you're reacting to what's around you exactly
1: yeah, it might start raining and then you might think, oh, well, this is absolutely beautiful. Look at all the droplets um, bouncing off the w- surface of the water. Whereas, you know, if you hadn't have gone and you look out the window and be like, it's raining, or I don't think I want to go, then you'd miss all of that beauty. So you get past the, the hard bit in the beginning, which is going, and then you respond to what's happening around you. I just have this memory of the steam coming off the tops of people's heads when we would go in the morning. There's like kind of steam coming off people and it's just so the whole thing is so beautiful I can't wait to go back (laughs) yeah me too and it's also such a
0: great way to start the day that was new for me as well was swimming at different times of day Mm. swimming in the evening in the afternoon in the morning and taking the time to notice how that was different
1: yeah I mean I think when you first wake up in the morning, there's a tendency to kind of slip back into your usual routine of thinking. Maybe the first thing you do is pick up your phone. I mean, that's something I'm trying to stop doing. But I know a lot of people just pick up their phone instantly when they wake up in the morning. So to, to replace that with a swim, because we do go swimming quite early in the morning, so there's not much time for your brain to... Figure out what's going on yet. And that's also an easier way to get everyone to go in. It's like, right, they're not quite awake yet. So we can get them in. It just helps to switch everything up. And after you've been in for that swim, it sets you up for the whole day and it
0: changes your outlook, maybe compared with how you would be if you hadn't have gone in. That outlook is, I think, important as well. It's a great way to set yourself up for the day and also to be away from screens. That's something I think I've really gotten out of swimming. I really struggled to get into meditation I wasn't always fully switching off when I was doing yoga and swimming especially when I started when it was very cold because I kind of got into swimming in the beginning of January a few years ago I couldn't think about anything else because it was so cold that it really became meditation for me and having that time to have a break from thinking about anything from my poor brain thinking about its phone all the time
1: yeah I mean I think there's a lot of research now that shows that our screens are actually really terrible for our brains isn't it so Yeah, I mean, when you're going for a swim, there's not too much else you can think about except cold initially and then just the beauty that's, that's around you. So I think it's very important. I talk about it a lot, swapping blue screens for blue minds. And I think we do need to do more of that. Absolutely
0: we've spoken a lot about swimming and of course the benefits around that but surfing is something I don't really know about but something that you are a real pro at by the looks of it I'm always amazed looking at these photos of you looking incredibly cool on your surfboard but it's also something where you've had a few knocks and that seems really brave to me does surfing symbolize courage and adventure what does what does surfing mean to you in your life it's it's a funny relationship with surfing. I quite often
1: tell people that it, it ruins your life <laughs> because a lot of the things I do now centre around it. So if I travel somewhere, it will be for surfing. Obviously, there's quite a lot of equipment to buy and that kind of thing but it's i guess it's a kind of an addiction that you feel when you're riding the wave and you feel in sync with this force of nature and it doesn't really last for that long but in that moment it's very very powerful and very thrilling and just a very beautiful way to connect with water in an, in a different way that involves more energy from the water i suppose more movement so yeah i, I think it's a kind of an addiction <laughs> It's a good addiction. Yeah, have. it's a positive addiction. But still, I think, yeah, I can't, I can't stop doing the surfing, even though I have had kind of a few accidents and things. But yeah.
0: <laughs> and you, you mentioned that it's something that a lot of your travel revolves around and also part of your life. You spend a lot of time in Portugal as well, don't you?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I try and spend around half the year in Portugal in
0: the winter. And we, you spoke about the swimming community in Falmouth and the amazing people that you meet there and you're passing, passing ships in the day as everyone goes for their swim or their surf. What's the community of surfers and swimmers like in Portugal? Is it different?
1: Well the area that I like to stay in in Portugal is very tiny it's almost like a mirror image of the tiny community that I stay in in Falmouth so you tend again you tend to see the same people at the beach in the lineup in the waves and there's some really lovely people that I've met and made friends with over there that feel like it does feel like I've got two homes really with two sets of friends so it's that same sense of community again.
0: Yeah and this dualism between this life in the UK and the life there but all that they're both brought together by water as well.
1: Yeah I would say a lot of my life centres around water. I was born on the Isle of Wight and grew up there so I was surrounded by water there. I lived in Florida for five years and my house was on a body of water there so the only time I haven't been near water was when I spent a year in London at college and I was very much so aware of just like where's the where's the water? (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, we try yeah. to find it. We've got some lidos. We've got some ponds.
1: Yeah, yeah, there are some options, aren't there? Yeah, but I
0: really did miss the sea a lot, so went down, back down to Cornwall. <laughs> and you've spoken a little bit about. It sounds like childhood, since swimming were very intertwined for you. What are some of your happiest memories in water from that time? Well, actually,
1: just speaking about when I lived in Florida, we we had a house on a canal, and there I just remember a swing rope from a tree and honestly I was I was just by myself wasn't really with a friend or anything quite often would spend in an entire afternoon swinging myself off the rope into the canal <laughs> 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 and making a splash and doing it again so yeah I think people do turn into big children when they go in the sea as well which is quite funny and quite lovely to watch you know having a, a splash around and jumping particularly jumping off the rocks like we did on our retreat you can just see the joy in people's faces and kind of overcoming that
0: like fear as well. Yeah, it it was a bit scary. I think it was the first time I'd jumped off anything or done a big jump into water since I was a child and I was I surprised myself by how by how nervous I was about it. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, that when you're a
1: child you're just not scared of anything and your parents are the one who's who are scared of what you're doing but you're just not scared of anything and then when we become adults we have all these um I guess kind of hang-ups about things but also real worries about hurting yourself because when you're a child you don't really think about that but yeah there's always a bit of reward on the other side of that fear isn't there as long as we're being safe about what we're doing of course.
0: (laughs) Yeah and I think that's where those shoulds creep in again of I should be being sensible and swimming in this way and not jumping or splashing or like you said just lying and floating and enjoying all of it.
1: Yeah which I completely disagree with like there's no way that people should be swimming and that's a big part of what I wanted to put across with the Salt Sisterhood that this is a welcoming and inclusive space that is being led essentially by you. It's your retreat, so you're, you're coming here for your own reasons, and you're leading your own experience by how you feel, and you're responding to how you feel. Nobody's going to judge you for what you're doing. I mean, we were doing handstands in the water, weren't we, like mm. five-year-olds, and it was the best ever. So, like, there's no way anyone should be swimming in a certain way.
0: Yeah, it was great fun. I remember even borrowing someone's flippers. How you go with that? <laughs> it was, it was great, and. When I remember being on the rocks about to do that jump and someone said, don't think about how scary it's going to be to jump. Think about how wonderful it's going to feel when you're in the water. And actually, that is something I've carried with me in lots of elements of my life since then, that thinking of the feeling of what it's going to be after you've done something and the reward of that as well. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I remember that we did that on our bravery day. So we have a a theme for each day at the retreat. And that was our kind of challenge of bravery. But even that is an accessible thing. Because if if someone doesn't want to jump off the higher rock, there's slightly lower down rocks, if you want to build your way up, or, you know, maybe you're not feeling it that day, and you don't want to do it at all. And that's also completely fine. But even the walk down there, kind of you know climbing over a few things and maybe that's new for people especially people who come from the city and they're just not used to doing that kind of thing so it's good that we can have all
0: different levels of of challenging our our guests but not too much (laughs) and you mentioned the walk down this place was absolutely beautiful it felt like we could have been anywhere along like the adriatic coast or it just was beautiful how do you find all of these places are these just places from your childhood and your life in cornwall and then how do you go about picking which places we're going to swim in on the salt sisterhood weeks
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a really fun part of my job that I get to go on missions and (laughs) find these places. A lot of them are down to my husband, Patrick, who does a lot of scouting around. So he's also our lifeguard, as you know. But yeah, he loves to see swim too. So he's always looking at the Google Earth and maps and things and trying to see little areas where we could find a good spot for a swim. And we just basically try them all out. We go and have a fun day and look at risk assessment, of course, and things like that. And we just choose our favourite ones. So that's a good part of the job. What's your favourite place to swim in Cornwall or anywhere? Really difficult question because there's there's different ones for different things. I mean, I really love my local beach, Gillingvays, just for the fact that I see all these people down there and it's quite easy. You can just like, there's no difficult access or anything like that. And you can just kind of walk in and walk out again. And it's always so clear and such a lovely colour. But there are other places kind of a bit more out of the way that you have to clamber down to. And like you said, you you don't really feel like you're in Cornwall. So I guess kind
0: of secret spots. (laughs) It's lovely when somewhere feels like a secret spot and you get, especially when you have a walk first and you have this hike and the woodland all falls away and then suddenly you've just got this beautiful hidden coastline.
1: Yeah. And the glimpses that you can see of the colour of the water through the trees you know that something something good is coming
0: (laughs) yeah that reward that reward of the beach and you feel like you've earned it as well yeah and you mentioned your husband Patrick you must have lots of happy memories for you swimming together as well as from your childhood too has that been a really important part of your relationship together
1: yeah I definitely think that water heavily underpins our relationship so we both surf as well there can be there can be some arguments about the surfing thing just in case in the case that he really wants to go to this place and I want to go somewhere else but essentially it really brings us together because we both love the same thing and there's like a little bit of competition between us which, which I which I feel helps me to get better that he's always slightly better than me so I that makes me angry and it makes me try harder <laughs> because I want to catch up so I think that's a positive thing though and obviously the swimming aspect as well so Yeah I think if you were in a couple and one person didn't like surfing it wouldn't last (laughs) because it takes up a lot of time and it's quite a big commitment really yeah but as well we just like to swim together too yeah.
0: That's lovely and I remember at that retreat something I loved about the two of you was really actually watching him support you and it wasn't I don't think a dynamic that I'd Seen maybe as much in a relationship, a husband putting in the work for your business and letting that guide the two of you for that moment in time and one one thing specifically, I really remember was him laying the table while you were talking to the group and leading the session and I know it was a small thing, but there was just no ego there, and I really took away a lot about relationships and also teamwork from that
1: yeah it's interesting that you noticed those things i mean I can't, we're just kind of working away and Getting everything done. But I guess, yeah, you're right that that there's a a lot of teamwork going on there. And it would be very difficult if I didn't have the support from Patrick. And he, he's kind of taking care of the bits that I don't think about. If you see what I mean, because there's so much to organize. So yeah, he will think of something like laying the table or obviously he's the lifeguard as well. So I don't have to worry about people. He's just that there in the background is that kind of support.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of balance between the two of you, which is really nice to be this this team and this couple kind of moving forward with this business and creating this space for other people. So I guess in the support that he gives you, you're able to support other people on this week that they come to you for.
1: That's absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, it does take a lot of my energy to hold space for a group of 10 or 12 women. And so the fact that he's there to support me with that is a really big help. Definitely. Yeah.
0: It really surprised me earlier when you spoke about being an introvert, because I thought you did such a fantastic <laughs> job at hosting this group of people. And we've mentioned that it's a diverse group of all ages, places in the UK, walks of life, swimming abilities. And you did a fantastic job at bringing everybody together. You teach people about yoga. You talk about a lot about the practice of everything that we do. But is that is that hard for you? Is that something that you find you have to bring yourself out of your shell to make it seem natural?
1: Yeah, I really do have to bring myself out of my shell. And that's another thing that yoga's really helped me with. So during my teacher training, it was so so difficult for me because before I did it I was one of those painfully shy people that I actually think a lot of people would think that I was rude or stuck up or something because I just was so painfully shy and so as you can imagine then really kind of forcing myself to be in a position where I have to stand up in front of a room full of people and talk to them was was excruciating for me but I feel like pushing through that teacher training and doing it regularly it just became second nature and it was extremely empowering because I felt like I then had a voice and maybe before that didn't feel so much like I had that, that I couldn't communicate with people because of this barrier that I had with anxiety and, and well, social anxiety, I guess. So, yeah, it was just allowing me to, to step into more of who I am without that barrier
0: there. Well, that's so interesting to yeah. hear because... You have always come across to me as somebody with so so much joy. You're very smiley. And I think as well, you probably get people really at their best on those weeks. I was smiling so much when I was there because we were in water. We were having fun. We were talking. We were joking. And I think in a lot of the stresses of life, are stripped away partly because you're on holiday but because partly because you're in you're in water so you probably get people at their smileiest as well which is nice. Like-
1: yeah again it's that transition between when they arrive the people and and then when they leave that they, they they're just very much so more themselves I think when they leave and even just the journey of getting there people are a bit kind of like oh a little bit stressed maybe mm. a little bit flustered and they've just maybe had a week full of work and they've had to sort out maybe childcare and that kind of thing that you just do slowly start to see that melt away and then is replaced with joy and calm and just this lovely sense of community between the women who are there.
0: And you've spoken a few times about that transformation and we've spoken about the salt circle and what that represents. And I think there really is the transformation from before you get in water and after. I feel like you, whether my swim's been five minutes or 10 minutes or however long it's been, I feel that transformation every every time when I get in water. But there was also this transformation of after the end of that week. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to speak to somebody who was having a think about taking a week out to go swimming or to go on a Salt Sisterhood retreat, but they weren't quite sure, they felt like there were things keeping them from it, what would you say to them to try and... Stress the importance of prioritizing themselves, really.
1: I mean, I would say that the retreat is almost like an extended version of going swimming one time. So before you go, you think, Well, I want to go. But then there's all these things in the way like it's cold, it's raining, I'm not sure if I've got the time, that kind of thing. But then I would ask them, How do you feel after you've been? Let's say that you made the decision to go anyway. Do you ever feel bad after a swim? the answer is always no I've never felt bad after a swim I mean unless something happened but that's another story but never felt bad after a swim and I think you know it's so important to make that time for yourself so the retreat is like an extended version of doing that you're never going to feel bad after you've been even though there might be some things in the way of going you might have to organize some things you might have to take time off but it's just so worth it. And as you said, I hope that women come away from the retreat learning a few things about themselves and really having some tangible takeaways from it that they can apply to their everyday
0: life. Yeah, that's so true. There are things that get in the way. We're really good at talking ourselves out of things that are good for us, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah. I know all the things that are good for me is spending less time on my phone. We've spoken about that. Saying should less and also getting in the water, but sometimes it can be very easy to um, drift away from that sometimes. And I know that you're speaking about all of this and it's really easy to promote that and to try and empower other people, but what do you have to empower yourself to do more?
1: (laughs) That's really difficult sometimes. (laughs) So Patrick really helps me. He, He notices when maybe I'm not feeling my best and says, right, you need to go in the water. We need to get you in the water. And I'm almost a bit resistant sometimes, like, no, no, I don't, I'm fine, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of working too much or something, but he's always right. I think it's, it's self-discipline as well. And there's a, a word in yoga called uh, tapas, which means commitment and self-discipline. So there's an element of that as well, that if you know that something is good for you, you absolutely need to make a commitment to creating time and space for that
0: in your life. That's great that Patrick can be there to guide you (laughs) with that as well. But also your yoga practice, it sounds like you've got so much from that. And this, we've spoken about some of those intangible feelings or this sense that you have that water is great or yoga is great when you feel good after it. But it seems like it's given you a whole language and also a Mm self-discipline to those feelings that sometimes feel a little bit more indescribable as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that.
0: Does that make you sometimes feel... More in control of everything, especially some of those feelings like anxiety that can be hard to control, but it's almost like you've given yourself the tools to to master them
1: yeah I, I mean I, I don't feel like I control the things, but it's it's more of a feeling that of self empowerment that I have the the knowledge and the confidence to know that I can master myself whereas before before I found yoga and you know I struggled a lot with mental health. I didn't have any sense of that I could master myself, so definitely my yoga teacher training and my practice and and the surfing because that is very empowering, gives you a lot of confidence as well when you can can do something like that. All of those things in combination has given me a sense of of who I am and that I can master myself despite obstacles or things that come up because things obviously still do come up you know when
0: none of us are perfect. Yeah, and you've done that for yourself, but also for many people like me who have come away on the Salt Sisterhood. So thank you.
1: You're welcome. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I want people to come away feeling that they've they've really learned something or can take something
0: away with them. And what's next for, for you and the Salt Sisterhood? Oh, I have to wait and see. Wait and see. And um, you've got another retreat coming up coming up soon and lots that are selling out, which just must be... So incredibly rewarding for you.
1: It is, yeah. I'm so happy that what we're doing resonates with people and that they can connect with it and that people want to come and see us and experience the retreats. It's really wonderful.
0: Well, I certainly can't wait to come again. And I hope that more people listening as well have now discovered you and they can even just have a little piece of that serenity and calm by following you on Instagram or maybe even coming on a retreat themselves.
1: Yeah, I try and convey all of these things through our social media. So even if you can't get to the water, that you can connect with a little bit of the, the feeling and the sensation just through Instagram. It's not the best way, but <laughs>
0: it's something. Oh, thank you so much for being so open and honest and talking to me today. Thank you, Lauren.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you to Lauren for that inspiring conversation and also for supporting my podcast before it really even existed. This was the first conversation I ever recorded and maybe you can tell that in my interviewing style. So thank you to all of the listeners who have continued to stick with me and join me for this podcast journey. You can find Lauren and the Salt Sisterhood in all of the usual places on social media. And as I mentioned, next week I'll be with Lauren at a retreat in Cornwall. So you can follow her and me on Instagram to see the gorgeous food, the swims, and all of that fabulous female energy. If you feel like you need some time and space to rewild yourself, you can also book onto one of the Salt Sisterhood retreats yourself. Thanks again to this episode's sponsor, TryHard. Say goodbye to Chlorine and shop their skin and hair products at 15% off with the code TIDAL. See you next week!